everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast. Today I am interviewing Lorraine Gregory about her second book, The Maker of Monsters, and I'll also be giving you some more spooky story recommendations for middle grade readers. Hope you enjoy. We are very lucky today because we today I'm talking to Lorraine Gregory about her new book, The Maker of Monsters, which is published by OUP and has a rather glorious cover by the very talented Meg Hunt. Hello there, Lorraine. Hello, Joe. And how are you? I'm not bad, thank you. I've just recovered from launching the book last week. Yes. Looked amazing. I was very sad that I couldn't make it, but it looked like you had a good time regardless of my absence. So that is always a good <laughs> <It> managed. <laughs> you managed. I'm good. I am pleased. So tell us a little bit about the Maker of Monsters for those who haven't read it yet. Okay, so the Maker of Monsters is a fantasy adventure. It follows um, the main protagonist, Brat, who um, is abandoned really and lives in a castle with his master who is not very kind to him and is obsessed with revenge and as a result of this is using his um, mage powers to um, build and create a whole army of war creatures monsters um, stitched together from different monsters so to make something entirely new and then brought back to life using magic Um, and Brat's job is looking after them in this castle and trying to persuade his master not to release them on the world. It doesn't all go to plan um, as these things happen. And soon Brat's the only one who can save everyone from from the monsters as they're unleashed on the world. And he has to um, go on a big adventure with his two best friends, Tingle and Sherman. Um, And that's basically what happens is just just quite a strong uh, adventure um, and poor old brat trying to save everyone. Yeah, poor old brat. And those monsters really are truly, truly horrific. They, they <laughs> thank you. It's my pleasure. It's quite nice to have um, a children's book where you do have some really, you know, grotesque creations. Yeah, well, this is always inspired by my son, who from quite young always wanted the, always liked the baddies, always wanted the monsters to win, always preferred monsters to anything else and always insisted that whatever I was writing that everything all the baddies and villains and monsters had to be as scary as possible ah well he's trained you well yes <laughs> he really has so um I'm sure I read somewhere that um part of the inspiration behind these monsters and the story was that of Frankenstein is that is that the case and if so um why how did it inspire you it is actually and it's um because actually, although Make of the Monsters is my second book that's been published, it was one of the first books I ever wrote, so a good 10 years ago. Oh. Um, and what happened was I joined Scooby, and they run something called a Slush Pile Challenge and for writers who aren't published and don't have agents. And um, the agent who was setting this challenge said that she wanted um, the first three chapters of a book inspired by Frankenstein. So I thought, okay. I'll write a few chapters inspired by Frankenstein. And um, for me, that meant thinking from from a child's point of view, obviously, and and it seemed perfect to set up uh, the main character as the assistant to the mad scientist, um, Dr. Frankenstein type 
scenario but then I sort of mixed it up and added you know sort of the different parts of the monsters and everything um and all of that so yeah Frankenstein inspired it in that respect interesting and just for the uninitiated can you explain what Scooby is Oh, yes. Sorry. Scooby is a society for children's book writers and illustrators. And um, it's an organisation that run social events. They run competitions. They um, run an agent party. They run a conference. It's a really good way to meet other writers, to find out about the industry. Um, and it was the first place really that, that helped me um, find my way through the writing maze and you know meet other like-minded people so it's a really good resource like a massive support network isn't it yes um and everyone is lovely and there's always lots of things to do and um i definitely you know would check it out if you're interested in being a writer cool thank you um so back to the story um and i want to talk a little bit about um the world building in your story you're set on a place that is like our earth but to me it was kind of separate and other and it begins on a very isolated um, island and then moves to the mainland and I was wondering how you map out and develop a fantasy world like that do you do it in your head do you physically map it out on paper is it through words how do you get started and then what's your process for doing that um okay so world building is obviously one of the big things in fantasy and it's one of my favourite things to do because obviously you can do anything but having said that it doesn't mean that you can just you know not have rules actually rules are really important you have to understand your world but it's not something that comes to me fully formed I do quite a bit of um, work and I always draw a map I love drawing maps just to help me frame where things are and distances from different places like that um, and with this one because I wanted I had this idea of it being kind of a broken world like if it and I just could see the landscape in my mind as being like not hospitable, really difficult for the people who were living there. And then I, I thought that magic was going to be the cause of this. So there's this kind of backstory history that sort of plays in. So everything sort of plays in together. The history is effect of the world affects the landscape of the world. And then it impacts again then on the story because you have to the story has to go through this um channeled through these this landscape so you know you can you can work out what will work best in certain situations and how you can use the landscape to bring certain you know exciting things to life and to make more challenges and to make it more difficult and all of those type of things and then it also played into kind of the some of the themes of the story about you know overusing resources and about you know um, the domed city for example where some of the people live and have everything but all the people outside don't and about who has them and who doesn't and, and there's quite a lot of things in it so it all kind of springs up slowly through the drafts really I think I have a vague idea to begin with I draw a map roughly of where I think we're starting and then kind of points of where we're going to go on this map through the story and then it's all just a question of um, and then actually for me the world building generally levels up on each draft so at the beginning, it's quite loose and quite vague. And then the detail and the and the richness of the world gets added in with each sort of draft until finally it feels like it could be a real place. Yeah, interesting. And are there any kind of fantasy worlds of books you've read 
um, yourself, maybe when you were a child, that really help you um, map out and hone your own world? Were there any that particularly inspired you in other stories that you've read? Um, what fantasy world do I love? I kind of always, my worlds tend to be sort of based still in this world. So obviously like things like Harry Potter, where you have a normal world, but you've got this sort of whole other world going on. I quite like those. Um, and obviously Lord of the Rings is probably one of the first fantasy books that I read and the world building in that is huge and immense and almost more than I could manage. So I like to keep my worlds reasonably small so that they can be um, adapted from that point of view. Um, and then what else? Um, fantasy books. Or well, any genre, really. It doesn't have to be a fantasy book per se. Yeah, I'm just trying to think now. I didn't actually read that many fantasy books when I was younger. Um, fantasy is something I came to sort of more as an adult. Um, and there's a huge amount of sort of adult books that I, adult fantasies that I love with really amazing world building. I'm reading um, Lainey Taylor at the moment and she's phenomenal for building worlds that are just really fresh and original and you know, you haven't seen before, so I love her. Ah, excellent, thank you. Um, so you said that although The Maker of Monsters is one of the first stories you wrote, it wasn't actually your debut no novel, was it? Your debut was um, Mould and the uh, Poison Plot. Would you just care to fill listeners in about what that story is about very briefly? Yes, um, Mould um, was my first published book. It's about a boy, and his name is Mould, and he was abandoned in the bin as a baby. Um, he's rescued and looked after by a healer called Aggie. And when Aggie is accused of poisoning the king, it's up to Mould to um, clear her name and find out the truth behind the poison plot. And helping him on his way is his enormous nose, which uh, gives him an amazing sense of smell. Excellent. And that was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. And it also as does The Maker of Monsters, features quite an isolated and put-upon um, main character. What do you think makes these kinds of individuals great um, main protagonists for a story? I, th I just think they work really well because people generally have an affinity for the underdog. And because you want to inspire empathy and sympathy from your audience so that they'll follow along on this whole story, if you start with someone who people immediately feel a bit sorry for, then you've already got their attention. And they're also enormously um, pleasing to write because you feel very strongly for them. And then it's about bringing them out a little bit more and giving them and giving them a chance to shine. And, and that's lovely as well. You can develop them so well on the, on the story, on the adventure that they go on, that by the end you can see like a clear progression in the story arc for that character. And, um, you know, that's a really nice thing to see as well. And, you know, it's really lovely when people love your characters and feel really strongly for them and they're with them every step of the way. And by starting with characters that are sort of, you know, a bit put upon, a bit of an underdog, um, it just gives you that easier grasp of creating that. Yeah, I see. Thank you. And how did it come to be that um, Mould was your, or your your debut novel? Why was that one chosen out of the stories that you had already written? Um, well, as I said, I'd written quite a few things before. Um, yeah. And 
I tried publishing them. I tried early on with uh, Brat's story early on. Nothing worked, didn't get anywhere. And then when I wrote Mould, I got some help from the Golden Egg Academy, which is um, sort of an editing um, company that will help you edit your book. And I kind of felt that this had something a little bit special about it. So I went and had some editing there and then I got my agent and then I got my publisher for Mould. And then it was only afterwards that we started talking about other ideas and and they really liked the sound of um, monsters. So that's what we did next. (laughs) Yeah, excellent. Fantastic. And do you think that you will ever revisit the worlds of Brat or Mould in sequels or are they finished for you now and on to other things? Well, I mean, they were both developed as standalone stories. I think there is a big trend for sort of sequels and trilogies and all of those things. And I wouldn't say I'd never write one, but um, it is quite nice to just have one story and to get to a proper conclusion at the end of it and not have to wait for the next book or the next book. Um, I did actually at one point write a sequel for Mould, Mm. But it never saw the light of day, sadly. And I'm not sure if it would now. I wouldn't say never, but it's no plans at the moment. So for you, they're, they're done. You're finished with them. Yeah, for you. I think so. They've been lovely, but yeah, move on. <laughs> so moving on, um, do you have anything in the pipeline that you can share with us? Any hints or teasers as to what you might be working on or what might be next for you? Well, I've I I do write quite a bit, so I've written a couple of drafts of some new things yet, but they're sort of not ready to be seen by any of them, anyone. Um, but one of them um, has got dragons in. Amazing. Dragons are cool, aren't they? Yes. Um, and the other one is more of a historical than a fantasy book, so it's quite different for me. So um, that will probably take a fair amount of... Um, drafts and work because obviously it'll be moving away from sort of the fantasy genre a little bit and will involve sort of research and things but I do like to try new things and to go in different directions because it's just um it challenges you as a writer to try new things and to not get stuck doing the same thing all the time it kind of prevents you from being pigeonholed yes I think you know it's easy to just end up doing one thing all the time whereas I'd quite like to try lots of different genres um and you know because it it does kind of make it a little bit more interesting and scary probably but a little bit more interesting as a writer to just see if you can see if you can do something else as well yeah have you ever considered um doing a story to be published as say a graphic novel no but I would really love to do something that was illustrated um I do love books that are illustrated and I think they can lend so much. It's really nice when you see sort of middle grade fiction that has got, yeah. you know, strong illustrations in it as well. Um, but obviously they are a bit trickier to to find, unfortunately. They are. But, but there are some really great ones that are kind of part narrative and almost part graphic novels. You've got yeah. a blending of the two. I think it would be really good. In fact, I'm quite sad that I can't draw at all. Because it would be amazing for the you know writer illustrators who get to do both sides of it and bring it together. I think that'd be wonderful, but I can't do it. So no, I can't either. I can't draw photography or write. So I'm doubly, <laughs> doubly scuppered on that score, unfortunately. 
Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you. And is there, is there anything else interesting that you can tell us about that you're up to or to watch out for or any events? Oh, well, um, I am going to be in Brighton next week um, and Bedford next week. And then in June, I'm off to uh, I'm off up north. We're doing a, an author tour which in the, up the nor- up north where we're going to schools and we're going to bookshops and there's going to be loads of us on a minibus. So How exciting. Is that organised by um, OUP or is that by... Uh... No, that's uh, being organised by Drake's Bookshop um, oh. and they're taking a load of, all of us authors on a, on a weekend um, jaunt around the north. Wow, do minibus. they know what they're letting themselves in for? Who else is going? Can you tell us? Do you know? Um, I, I can't remember everyone at the moment, but I know that James and Vashti are coming. So oh, my goodness. The three of us, um, yeah, heaven knows what will end up happening. Oh. But it should be fun. Yeah, definitely will be fun. Well, that sounds amazing. Lucky North. Yes. Just watch out for the wall and don't, you know, white walkers and things. And <laughs> such <Yeah>. like. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, that's great. Well, that has brought me to the end of all my questions, Lorraine. So thank you very much for taking time out to chat to me and to listeners this evening and I'm looking forward to um, seeing what comes next and the historical fiction too sounds really interesting so I can't wait to um, hopefully get a peek at what comes down the line so thank you I'm going to say thank you and and goodbye thank you very much Joe. it's been lovely chatting to you no thank you that's great bye-bye bye So if hearing all about the maker of monsters has put you in the mood for some other creepy recommendations, you're in luck because I have a few for you right here. The first is the classic Coraline by Neil Gaiman and in it we meet Coraline who is busy exploring her family's new flat when behind the 14th door, the locked door, she discovers a passage into a flat that's just like hers but different, just a little bit better. The toys are better, the food's better, and things seem marvellous to begin with. But then the new mother and father who live on that side of the passageway want to change Coraline and keep her with them forever. And she discovers there are other children trapped there too, and that Coraline may just be their only hope of escape. Another one of my favourites is A Place Called Perfect by Helena Duggan, published by Osborne and with a gorgeous cover illustrated by K.J. Mountford. And A Place Called Perfect actually now has three books in this series. So if you enjoy this one, you have two more to enjoy. And in it, we meet Violet, who has moved with a new town called Perfect because of her dad's new job. But everyone there has to wear weird glasses to stop them being going blind. Everyone wants to be neat and tidy, they're perfectly behaved all the time and Violet very quickly discovers there's something strange and slightly suspicious going on in town. She keeps hearing voices, her mum's being strange and her dad has disappeared. And it's only when she meets the mysterious boy that she discovers her dad is not the only person to have vanished and that the Watchers are guarding a very creepy secret. I love this. It has a really Burton-esque feel to it, which is perfect if you want a a slightly creepy but not too scary read. My next suggestion is another classic by Neil Gaiman, and I happen to be looking at the 10th 
anniversary special edition of The Graveyard Book, which is illustrated by Chris Riddell and published by Bloomsbury. And in it, we meet Nobody Owens, known as Bod to his friends. And he is a perfectly normal boy. At least he would be if he didn't live in a graveyard and was being raised and educated by the ghosts who, I was going to say live there, but I suppose haunt there. Now, obviously, as you would expect living in a graveyard, there are plenty of dangers lurking and adventures ahead, but it's actually the land of the living that holds the most threat for Bod, because it's there that the man Jack lives, and Jack has already killed Bod's family. Um, it's, being, it's hailed as a deliciously dark masterpiece, and I think that that tells you all that you need to know. To finish off I've got a fantastic title which links back very nicely to the Frankenstein references in Lorraine Gregory's book The Maker of Monsters and my final recommendation is Strange Star by Emma Carroll and it's published by Faber and Faber and definitely one for your older nine plus middle grade readers. I've read it, it's brilliant and it's really spooky. And it is set around the idea of Frankenstein and where the inspiration for that story may have come from, from Mary Shelley. And it begins in Switzerland in 1816 on a stormy summer's night, where we find Lord Byron and his guests gathered round the fire telling creepy tales. Felix, their serving boy, can't wait to hear them, but life takes a more chilling turn more frightening by far than any story that the group assembled can tell themselves. There's a frantic pounding at the front door to reveal a stranger, a girl, covered in the most unusual scars. She claims to be looking for her sister, who was supposedly snatched from England by a woman called Mary Shelley. Someone else has followed her here too, she says, and the girl is terrified. And it is absolutely fantastic. Emma Carroll should definitely be one of your go-to authors for those upper Key Stage 2 readers. And those are the end of my recommendations. I hope that you have found something there to add to your to-be-read pile or to sneak onto your bookshelf at school. Don't read them in the dark. And if you do, don't blame me if you start hearing and seeing some very strange things. If you would like to read any more of my reviews or just catch up on my general witterings about all that's new and fantastic in the world of books, you can find me on my blog www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com or you can find me a lot on Twitter or Instagram as at BookSuperhero2 and there's also a Library Girl and Book Boy Facebook page that you can join and please do get in touch if there are any specific recommendations for individual readers or for topics that you would like me to make. Well that's it for another episode. As I said I hope I haven't frightened you too much. Um, in fact I hope I haven't frightened you so much that you are too frightened to subscribe to get future podcast episodes coming please make sure that you do because i have an absolute treat coming up for you next 
I am talking to Kirsty Applebaum about her debut novel, The Middler, published by Nosy Crow. And if you're a fan of dystopia, you will enjoy this, but don't expect it to be like The Hunger Games. It's fantastic and so clever. And as I said, you are in for a treat. So make sure you remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on the alert that it's been set wild for you to listen to. Take care now. Bye-bye.